David Stockdale here, 1-3, from Wickham Wanderers, and you're listening to The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome along to the latest edition of The Wickham Wanderers Show, which seems to be the way I now introduce the show. I've not counting anymore, and um, the latest edition seems to work. Uh, with myself, uh, Colin, I rarely introduce who I am, and Bob as well. Hello, yes. Uh, on the Wickham Wanderer Show this week, we'll be uh, looking back at the FA Cup first round tie at Hartlepool, which you were at. Yes, I was at the Hartlepool game. Um, uh, we will also be uh, reviewing the loss to Burton Albion. Uh, 5-0 uh, it was. Yes, well, well done if you survived all the way until the very end. Um, we'll also be uh, chatting about the fact uh, that we could be playing Lincoln City in the second round of the FA Cup. Uh, we will be looking forward to the Wickham Wanderers women's um, fixture this coming weekend. Uh, it's a little bit of a special one. Yes, even more W's in that sentence could have been Indeed, fantastic. yes. And also we catch up with uh, Henry Deacon, who you might recall, uh, did us some uh, fantastic uh, commentary of the pre-season friendly against Leicester, and also does a lot of work with Express, Express FM in Portsmouth. So we'll be uh, previewing Pompey uh, with him, uh, going for more alliteration there. And in our ex-player slot, we'll be, uh, if, if we call it that, uh, we'll be chatting to former forward Tim Langford. Very much looking forward to catching up with him. Uh, of course, played under Martin O'Neill, and uh, producer Luke remind me, reminded me that it was a year ago this week that we had Martin O'Neill on the show. And you spoke to Gareth Ainsworth as well earlier on today, uh, previewing, obviously, the game against Portsmouth. Yes, all that's come in the next hour, uh, plus occasional mentions of Turkey. Indeed, yes. Yes, that, that's that's this week's specialist subject. <laughs> See how many mentions we can get of Turkey. <laughs> if people do tune in late, they'll, they might not get there. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Or if you're listening on the podcast, you'll have no idea why. why I enjoyed the Wicked Wanderers show this week, but I couldn't really understand the persistent mention of what? Turkey. Yes, well, people have said that about battery-operated trousers and dog leads and all sorts of other things uh, in, in Season 2. You know, they said, oh, Season 1 was very good, but Season 2 it got a bit surreal and bizarre. <laughs> That's what they want. That's what they want, the surreal. Yes. You don't get that anywhere. Bob, Bob going rogue, I think it's known as. Tell us about your trip to Hartlepool, please. Um, so, yes, up, up to Hartlepool uh, I went. It's a long way, Hartlepool. Uh, you know, it's, it's further than Middlesbrough. Um, not, not quite as bad as when we played Sunderland. Uh, as, and also, as you're travelling up north, the thing that always surprises me, particularly once you get to a place like Hartlepool, is you still see signs for the north. And you think, well, goodness me, how much more north do you want? Than, <laughs> this you know, is the north, surely. <laughs> exactly. You know, we, we, we've travelled five hours in the car and it's still saying the north up there. And it's like, surely, you know, surely that's Scotland. Um, anyway, uh, the game itself uh, was, was uh, pretty much a non-event for the first 44 minutes. Uh, I think probably both sides felt that. Um, uh, but then it got slightly more interesting for Hartlepool um, because they did score just before half-time uh, and you were slightly thinking, oh goodness me, you know, again, we, we've come all the way up to the north um, and yes, we're, we're, we're going to see us uh, rather meekly going out of the FA Cup. However, the second half actually was much, much better. Uh, Chris Farino getting his uh, first Wickham Wanderers goal um, and then a very entertaining penalty incident um, <laughs> regarding the uh, Hartlepool goalkeeper who couldn't really work out what on earth he'd done to concede a penalty, uh, which was eventually converted by Joe Jacobson. Uh, Hartlepool had gone 2-1 ahead in between those two incidents, uh, but fantastic that JJ managed to get us back into the uh, into the tie, uh, meaning that we were in the hat for Monday's draw uh, when we came out against Lincoln City. Uh, so another another trip up, not quite as far as, as Hartlepool, but another, another trip up to the east, as it were. Did it feel like a really good sort of cup tie as well, of course, because we didn't experience the first round last year? No, that's true. And yes, it did. I mean, there were, there were a lot of Hartlepool fans there. Um, slightly controversially, I would say that, that probably it was the worst reaction I've seen for quite some time to us taking the knee. Um, no Hartlepool players took the knee at all. Um, and I would say there, it was only a minority, admittedly, but quite a sizable minority of, of Hartlepool fans uh, expressed their displeasure about the fact that we took the knee, uh, which, as I say, I haven't actually noticed anywhere else uh, so far. Oh, this season um but yeah it did feel very much like like a cup tie um the hartlepool uh, fans very much got behind their side particularly once they went one nil up and the, you know the second half actually it was a cracking atmosphere um there weren't loads of wickham fans there probably unsurprisingly but the the fans that were there did did make quite a lot of noise um and yeah it, it was it was a decent old-fashioned sort of particularly in the second half blood and thunder uh type um game where you definitely thought actually neither side really 
really probably want to replay. And in some ways, that makes it all the more entertaining the closer it gets to uh, full time. But, uh, and you know, unsurprisingly, nobody actually managed to, to find the net in the last few minutes. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so we play at Adams Park again next Tuesday night. Manager Gareth Ainsworth spoke to Matt after the game. And uh, a warning, it does get quite windy at times. Character for the boys is is just immense, you know, coming from two well, one down and then two one down. Um yeah, we we've we've got a great spirit here, as always. It's a tough place, you know. I'm, I don't think Hartleyville is an easy place to come. We're missing a few players. Um Tafazoli, Grimmer Stewart, you know, three rock solid defenders there, big lads. Um, I keep forever, obviously we've got to look after him at his age and, and you know it's, uh, it's um, David Stockdale due to illness so I mean we, we, we are a little bit depleted but I thought were really good you know I thought they uh, they never they never got worried and panicked they always kept going and kept driving I think you know we've had the best chances of the game you know with the shots but they had some chances as well you know second half they scored with their first goal shot on target first half second half I thought there was a couple of hairy moments for us but um you're going to get that with the debut and centre-half, you know, who, by the way, I thought did fantastic. I think uh, it's a great debut and centre-half, you know, to come in and, and, and score and, uh, and and get the penalty, which is rightful for me. I think he's been smashed after he's the head. It's brilliant to see these young boys coming through now and, uh, and playing a part in, in what was, like you say, a great cup time. Anyone who wants to think that we, we should have come away with an easy win or wants their head checking because we did this. We were doing this to teams three, four years ago. But we're not this almighty, great, fantastic side now just because we had that loss in the championship. Yes, I've got a good chance. And yes, we're no longer we were. But you come to places like this on a cup day, you're going to be up against it. You know, this is, they, want to, they want to turn us over. We're in a championship last year. They were in the conference. And, and that's that's cup football. That's how good it is. And that's why I love this trophy. You know, as I said, I've never belittled this cup. I've put the strongest team I possibly could out with the players I had, you know. I think um, I think we've got, to, we've got to make sure now the legs are going to be right. We we were looking at maybe the bumpy game um, not even being on and, and, and a little bit of a break but that's, it's going to be four blast on games now um, I'd just like to mention the fans who've made this trip because I know it's a long long way a long long way and, uh, and they've seen a good performance they've seen goals at their end which I'm really pleased about um, and also I mentioned the Hartlepool fans it's great it's great you know that's cup football and, uh, and they got behind their team all game and made it the occasion it was uh, I'm proud to have come away with you with us in the hat tomorrow. That was always the aim. Um, one day, whenever it is. But we've got to do the job at Adams Point now against this team because they'll come down and they'll fight and they'll scrap and they'll want to turn us over. There was, a, there was no shock last night and I was a bit worried. I thought, you know, there's no cup upset last night on the TV. We don't want to be the one today. I don't know the results. I don't know if there has been any, but... Um, it wasn't us and that's the main thing big run of home games now at Burton Tuesday some big league games coming up the replay sandwiched in there as well Tuesday's disappointment was not the relish in the challenge now of getting a winning run back together yeah listen that's a positive for me that's a positive today without a doubt you know you end up with the game with Chris Furry you know uh, TJ Debar um, on, the, on the pitch you know um, we've rested a few legs that's great um, like I said hopefully the injuries will clear up for next weekend for the Pompey game because that'll be a tough one um, getting back to winning ways is important you know we've got this uh, Papa John's on Tuesday against Burton which I really want to give it's to our youngsters as you can see what that can do for them um, but there's some rules in place which means we may have to adhere to and then shortly afterwards Gareth and Matt blew away <laughs> I have to say, actually, it was very windy up there, but that interview made it sound more windy than it actually was. It sounds like a very bad camping trip, doesn't it? Just on the- it, it really does. Yeah. Oh goodness me, you wouldn't go to Hartlepool sort of like for a, a Butlins type um, a weekend. Um, uh, th- and also, I was disappointed there was a lack of seagulls because there were quite a lot of seagulls flying around as well uh, no. during. I, I was hoping that maybe they might make an appearance in the Gareth interview. Perhaps they left early. Yeah, well, possibly they did. And uh, I was really surprised, and I'm pleased that Gareth mentioned the fans because it was very impressive how many Wickham fans were there. I was just surprised. Um, After about 80 minutes, uh, I noticed six Wickham fans leaving. Um, uh, And, you know, like one person leaving, you you might think, oh, well, maybe, I don't know, they they, they had something to go and do or whatever. Six of them leaving, I I was quite surprised. Actually, you presume that they're not particularly local because they were in the Wickham end and they were wearing Wickham scarves. And you just wonder... 
they've travelled five hours up in the car or, or on the coach. Why why are they going early, particularly when the game's at all? Just, yeah, I, I, I don't understand the going early thing. Do you, you think they had I, another I, appointment? I, so they had something else booked. They had a table booked or something. Or another yeah. attraction to go to in Hartlepool at that time. Well, possibly, but I can't really think what that would be. You know, I, I understand people leaving early on Tuesday night, but on, on Saturday afternoon, where, you know, when it was a cracking cup tie in the second half, uh, I was a bit surprised. And you just think, do they do that normally? In, in, like, in normal life, do they go to the cinema and then actually leave early? <laughs> <laughs> do, do they not know, sorry, spoiler alert coming up, um, that, you know, that, say, Luke Skywalker is Darth Vader's uh, um, son? <laughs> because they have far too early. <laughs> Oh, it's covered on this show, doesn't it? What a, what a cultural experience oh, yeah. it is. No. Yeah, so uh, Bob's tip, Snow don't White leave early from games or films. Snow White just sits there with like, the seven dwarves and, and hangs out with them, and that's it, you know, at the end. Um, I don't know. I, I just always find it weird when people leave early, particularly in games where it is quite exciting. Eats an apple, no problem. Just <laughs> yeah. Cheerio. <laughs> yeah. they leave, like concerts as well. That, that's the other thing I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. maybe. You don't say for the encore. A lot of people yeah. don't, do they? Yeah, exactly. You know, the band says, thank you very much, good night. And, and everyone else stays, but they think, oh, it's, it's over now. Yeah. Better go. Yeah. Uh, good mentions for T.J. Tabar and Chris Freno. Chris Freno was made captain, of course, on Tuesday night against Burton. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, again, I was pleased he mentioned T.J. Debar, but I was slightly surprised as well, because T.J. Debar came on quite late. And I... I'd absolutely love to see TJ Debar playing a lot because he really tries and he's really fast and it would just be quite entertaining uh, to see him uh, be given a decent run out. I appreciate he couldn't obviously play on Tuesday night because he's now, um, you know, with the Gibraltar squad. Uh, but yeah, it would be really nice, Gareth, if you do listen to the Wick and Wanderer show and I'm not expecting you to take tips from me, but it would be great to see TJ Debar play a bit more. And also, uh, I think what we didn't really hear because of the, the, the conditions, but Gareth was saying that he, he was hoping to play a lot more young players, uh, but there, there are certain rules with regard to the EFL trophy or Papa John's trophy. Yes, because somebody got fined, didn't they, this week? I think it, even more bizarrely, it was one of the under-23, under-21, whoever, you know, academy sides or something. Yeah, West Ham. Yes, yeah, yeah. And you just think, well, that's, you know, it's a bit strange. Uh, as if the competition could be slightly corrupted by, you know, <laughs> playing either, what, underage, overage, wombling free. I have no idea. So it must have felt a bit strange, because obviously the, the Ipswich game attracted a crowd of 6,943, uh, whereas the uh, the tie which we're talking about uh, amassed, uh, 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 well, 593. Yes, and that was said a lot by by people. That was the the common copy, topic of conversation uh, as people were going in on Tuesday. Were, was sort of like, oh, well, it was nice, easy to park, wasn't it? And not not many people here. Um, yes, it definitely did feel um, a bit like we were all rattling around uh, in Adams Park. But you know that was okay. Um, you know, obviously it's a, a dead rubber. Uh, I always wonder what the what the derivation of dead rubber is. Well, you know, you, you don't say if it's a normal game, it's a rubber. So why are you calling a, a, that, that game a dead rubber? Um, but yeah, I don't think any of us really saw the five goals coming, particularly. Uh, with the, particularly in the first half, I thought Wickham did okay. Burton probably were still the, slightly the better side. Um, and of course, it was our old friend, Aaron Amadi Holloway, uh, scoring a hat-trick. Um, for, for Burton, um, which is, he only scored six goals in his Wickham career. So quite impressive that he came back to Adams Park and managed to score three. And were there any of the, the young chair boys who, who particularly stood out for you in the game? Um, I mean, it's difficult to say in that sort of game, uh, to be honest. Uh, you definitely noticed in the first half, Brandon Handlon and Jordan Abita, because they, you know, they, they were obviously, um, the two that, that did stand out. Um, but clearly, you know, they came off at half time because obviously they'd played the game on Saturday. Um, uh, it was interesting to see some of, you know, some of the players. Um, so, um, uh, in particular, um, uh, Adam Leathers, of course, was playing. Uh, I did try and start a chant with leathers, leathers, but nobody really particularly joined in, which I was slightly, <laughs> slightly disappointed about. Um, Chris Freno definitely does look like, you know, he, he is going to be a very, very good find. And as you say, you know, it was fantastic that actually he was made captain. Yeah, no, very good. Perhaps you can try, attempt your chant each week on the show. It might catch uh, on. Yeah, I think so. Leathers, leathers, and, and see if anyone joins in. They won't. Uh, let's no, catch up with uh, literally a few words from the manager speaking after uh, that 5-0 defeat to Burton in the uh, final group game of the EFL Trophy or Papa John's Trophy. There's a few players there that we we have to be careful with, you know, um, and, and make sure it's not too big a whack tonight. Guide them in the right direction, get them 
you know, get them doing things that, that will get them professional football careers, you know, and, and that's not easy, you know, it's, uh, it's about the person as well as uh, as well as the guidance, but um, yeah, we'll see, plenty to learn, plenty to work on, but again, I've got some good boys in that group and uh, and I'm sure they've learned a lot to learn. Does it sound perhaps from those comments that, that perhaps people didn't, didn't make the most of their opportunity? Possibly. Uh, yes, maybe it does. Uh, a couple of other things to mention about the game uh, was that one of Burton's goals was a, a Joe Jacobson special direct from a corner, which, you know, you, you don't see very often uh, against Wickham. Um, there was a fight before half-time, uh, <laughs> which, was, which was quite entertaining. You know you know how games are, where actually they're, they're always enlivened by things like a fight. <laughs> All of a sudden the football match broke out. Um, yeah, indeed. Um, and also, I was quite impressed by a couple of the Burton players' names. Um, so one was called Blake Tracy, who I thought very much sounded like a superhero. Um, and his sidekick would be Borthwick Jackson, uh, who also played for Burton on Tuesday night. Fantastic. What, was, the, was the fight over very quickly, or...? Um, yeah, yeah, it, it didn't, you know, it, it, it didn't develop. Um, and the referee actually chose not to do anything at all, which I, I thought, even though we were obviously all baying for, for, for Burton blood, as it were, um, actually was quite a sensible decision because it was very much a, a sort of a handbags, if you're still allowed to say that term. Um, and yeah, the fact that the referee just thought, do you know what? I, I can't be bothered. Just hand out some of the sponsor's product and get on with it. That's, yeah, yeah, that's indeed, what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Still to come on this week's Wickham Wanderer Show, we'll catch up with uh, former forward Tim Langford. We'll hear from Henry Deacon as well to look ahead to the Portsmouth game. And still to come, more from manager Gareth Ainsworth, but without the wind, here at Wickham Sound. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Still to come on tonight's Wickham Wanderer Show, we will be hearing from Henry Deacon, uh, who is one of the commentators at Portsmouth-based Express FM. He will be giving his opinion about Saturday's opposition. Uh, Also, we'll preview Wickham Wanderer's Women's Weekend. I don't think there's any more W's you can fit into that. Apparently, it's Women's Football Weekend this weekend. Wickham Wanderer's Women's Football Weekend. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Uh, But first, uh, many thanks indeed to the uh, Wickham Wanderer's Ex-Players Association, who... Uh, have um, uh, put us in touch with many, many an ex-player uh, and manager and even local sport editor as well. Uh, but this week we've been catching up with uh, Tim Langford, who of course uh, signed in March 1993, a uh, very memorable uh, occasion for him. I think uh, I'd been to Wickham, I think, two previous times as a, as a Telford player when uh, I think first time I came we, we got hammered. Um, I think it may have been six nil, six one, possibly, and then the, the season after, I think it, it again may have been three, three or four nil. So I think at the time, you know, Wickham was a sort of the in team. They've got this new stadium, you know, uh, and we're one of the te- top teams in the conference. And I, I think Martin had sort of looked at my career previously, even when he was at Grantham, and I was playing for a, a, a different team, um, and sort of kept an eye on me. And then, you know. I guess out the uh, out the blue, uh, obviously the phone call at home. See so if I was interested, uh, and, it, and it sort of went went from there. And then I, I met Martin in the in the March, I think, of '93, in a hotel in Warsaw. We had a discussion, um, signed there and then. And I think uh, I made my debut on the Saturday against Farnborough in the season that um, you know we eventually won the conference and um, and obviously got promoted. I mean, that must have been such a special time, but also you must have felt that you fitted in so well with your style of play as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, obviously I'd I, I played against some of the, the, the lads previously, you know, and um, as I say, it was it was a case of the, the, the camaraderie and the, and the you know, the, the team spirit that, that that team had that probably, you know, drove them to... Um, success in non-league, and then you know eventually success in um, you know in the in the football league as well. As you say, sort of fitted in with the style of play, very attacking, scored plenty of goals, kind of thing. And um, yeah, so sort of had a free reign to to do what I was probably best at when I initially came. And a real step up for for all the players, obviously, and, and you know, it's getting sort of full, going full time from only being sort of part time previously in the conference. Yeah, and, and I think that really, you know, really played a big part in, you know, people wanting to do well, knowing what it was like to do a proper sort of, you know, nine to five job as it, as it was then, um, you know, and prove people wrong and, and, and obviously prove to themselves that they were capable of, um, you know, of making that step up. 
you know, and, uh, and I can't remember when the time was, but, you know, I don't think that, um, you know, automatic promotion from the conference back into into the Football League had been, you know, instilled that many years prior, you know, so we were sort of, you know, one of the, the early ones to get, to get promoted. And if I remember rightly, that season, we, it was nearly probably December before we actually got beaten when we were playing away from, from Adams Park. I think we were one of the last teams in the whole of the Football League to lose um, an away game, if I remember rightly. And that was down to, as I say, the, the, the team spirit and the, and the togetherness of the, of the whole of the squad. Did you think you were really part of something special? Because I say, I think, as you say, in that season, I think that you were in a really, a really long unbeaten run. Yeah, I think that you know we we wanted to pit our wits against you know people who who had been um, full time for for a period of time. We'd made that step up. You, you, you're going into the unknown, even just in relation to to fitness. Never mind, you know, technique and ability kind of thing. Um, you know, but we, as I say, I think what we may have lacked in any ability, we definitely gave in grit and determination, team spirit, and um, you know, and togetherness. And and in the end of that season, obviously, we, we finished in the in the playoff positions. And um, you know, it was a, a benefit to uh, everything that the hard work that all the players have put in in that time. And are there any special games or particular moments that really stand out during your time at the club? Uh, ahead of our ahead of our chat, I, I revisited a particular game against Doncaster in which you scored, and uh, J- J- yeah, Jason Cousins was, committed. Yeah, that was the. Uh, I think probably more infamous for, for something else rather than rather than me scoring. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess that um, there, there was a couple of non-league games. I think the slow game away, where I think I scored my first goal. Um, you know, stands out. And then I think when we actually won promotion, I think it might have been on a night game against Runcorn or Altrincham or something at Adams Park that was, it was rammed. Um, and, and I think we won three or four nil. Um, so there are a couple of non-league games. And then I think the, the Preston game away in that first season when um, they, they were on the official pitch. And I think at the time there was us, Preston and maybe Shrewsbury, I think who, it was sort of up there and hadn't lost a game or many games. And I think the season, the week before Preston had given Shrewsbury a bit of a good idea, we'd gone up there and I think um, Keith Scott had left to go to, to Swindon. Um, and then um, we, we came away with a 3-2 victory with a, a last-minute screamer from, um, from Hakan from about 30, 40 yards. And the atmosphere in the dressing room after that game was, uh, was, was pretty special. Um, and then obviously we got the the Fulham game at uh, Craven Cottage in the I don't know if it was the quarter final or the semi final of the old um, Autoglass Trophy um, that went to uh, I think it went to extra time and penalties when we uh, we won on penalties. So that, those are a couple of games um, you know that, that probably stand out. Disappointingly, um, I wasn't in the starting eleven for the for the, any of the playoff games. And the season I joined, um, we got to Wembley in the FA Trophy, um, but I was I was already cup tied, so we, we we got to Wembley I guess two years running, and and uh, unfortunately didn't play in either of them. And looking back, does it feel like a really special group of players that you had? And uh, we were talking just now about how you know how you're still in touch with with a number of them today. Yeah, I think there was the nucleus, wasn't there, of, of, of the team. Uh, and then Martin would bring in, I guess, like he did with me. He brought in Simon Garner. And then he brought in Lee Turnbull and Tony Hemmings in that first season. And then after, you know, Cyril, um, Steve Brown and Mickey Bell came in and Gary Patterson. So there was always a nucleus, I think, of, of the core of players that had gone from sort of the non-league uh, eleven. Um, in, in, into the squad that went into you know Division Three and then into Division Two. And what was it like playing under Martin? You said you said that he'd sort of tracked your career previously as well, which must be nice to think that you know he's brought you to the club after keeping an eye on you as well. Yeah, Martin, Martin was a great motivator, I think, of, of, of players, and there was definitely a, a different atmosphere on the training ground when when he showed up. To, to when you know just Paul Franklin or, or Steve Walford took the took the train in the atmosphere had changed straight away. But yeah, he was a he was a great motivator and he, and he really believed in players getting the, you know getting the rest. You know, he, and, and 
because I suppose that first season we we were doing re- reasonably well. You know, we were playing Saturdays, Tuesdays, and we'd advanced like in the Auto Glass, and we'd advanced I think in the Coca Cola Cup. You know, so it was, it was important that sometimes we'd, you know, we'd probably get a couple of days off a week um, just to rest, um, and then you know we'd, we'd be back in on a Friday and, and playing a lot of five sides and, and, and non-contact stuff. You know, so. Um, it, it, um, it, it certainly um, benefited the players, and, and obviously he was great for for Wickham, and he obviously shot his career, you know, into into better things at a later date. And really great support as well. So some great crowds and a great atmosphere at Adams Park for the for the home games. Brilliant, yeah. I mean, you, you can't fault it, and there was always, you know, they're always got behind the teams. I mean, there wasn't many occasions, except for probably I can remember the Colchester home game. Where, where we sort of took a bit of a beating at home. Most of the time, you know, we were we were there or thereabouts with, um, you know, the the, the result. Um, but the, the the crowd was um, was good, and, and, and as I say, they always got behind us. And you'd go to some teams, especially as I say, in a non-league basis, and you, you'd get, you know, a couple of hundred, and you come to Wickham, and you're talking of like four or five thousand, and that just continued straight into 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 the football league and. I guess when you're doing well, then you just attract, you know, more supporters. And it sounds like overall your your reflections of your of your time at the club are, are just really happy and, and and great to have those those memories. Yeah, obviously, you know, the the, the second season when my, my son was diagnosed with leukemia was uh, was quite traumatic, and it was, um, you know, it definitely affected, um, you know, my game and and, and the way of the perception of life, I guess, um, and the you know the the priority in life being not just football but you know more of more of family so that second season was was really difficult and at times you know I'd be I'd be traveling I lived 100 miles bang on from the ground line so I'd be traveling like 100 miles to training as soon as I'd left training I was going back to the children's hospital probably till seven or eight o'clock at night to sit with my wife and, and obviously my son come home and then do that same triangle again kind of thing and it was um it was definitely tough when you know when he was when he was in hospital but then I, I looked at the you know the coming training kind of thing as a bit of a a bit of a release and, and obviously playing games um it was a release from the you know the the pressures of of being stuck in Birmingham children's hospital watching your son you know going through what he what he went through but um, definitely, uh, as far as reflecting on on the um, on my experiences at Wickham, I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed anything. You know, it uh, it it, uh, it was something that uh, you know you look back on and think, well, if if I hadn't have taken the opportunity, what if and where would I have ended up? But um, no, I, uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed my time at Wickham. And as a fan as well, I think it's really interesting to get to hear sort of you know the behind the scenes stories. As you say, people perhaps don't necessarily appreciate the amount of travel that you did, and and the fact that you know as players when you're in the conference you had other jobs as well, and you know as you say going to training and, and turning up for the, the matches as well, and, and obviously in the, in the non-league days, obviously a lot of the a lot of the games were quite far afield places. Yeah, definitely so. And there was times even when I was at Telford, like you know, I'd have to pay a colleague of mine to do my shift, or I'd have to try and arrange holidays, or you know, depending on what we're playing, you know, the 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 games that you play probably you know against Dover away kind of thing, and you you're probably going to go overnight. Then you know you have to make um, necessary arrangements for for sort of work commitments. Luckily, I think when I came to Wickham in the the March kind of thing, there wasn't many. Uh, times when um, you know I, I couldn't make the game, or you know I'd, have, I'd probably still got a holiday left that I could you know have Saturdays off and and prepare properly for the game, and um, you know and then be able to give it my all when um, you know when I did play. Does it feel like a long time ago, or does it feel comparatively recent? Uh, well, it's interesting because my mum kept all kept all the programmes like from from when I played like so it. Um, well, well, I think when I look at it back and I think. Um, it, it's nearly what twenty-eight years, maybe. Uh, it doesn't seem that it doesn't seem that far ago. But then, obviously, I lost my son in two thousand, and then I think that you know it's twenty-one years since I've seen him. Um, it, it it feels like a lifetime. So there's two comparables where the football twenty-eight years ago 
doesn't seem too far back. But actually having a conversation with my son 20, 21 years ago, and he was only nine at the time, you know, just seems a distant memory and probably even further back than the 28 years of, of, uh, of being at Wickham. Of course. And, and I guess for, for fans, we're really keen to know sort of what you did uh, after your, your time at the club and then what, what you're up to these days as well. Yeah, I went back to, I went back to Telford and um, unfortunately I, I did my cruciate knee ligament. I, can't, I think it was probably the, the, the second season I was there. It was a, I think it was like a pre-qualifier FA Cup and I, I, I didn't get it repaired uh, and the, the physio who, who was treating me at the time you know, I'd got a lot of faith into him. He just said, like, as long as you keep your quads up, you'll be you'll be fine, uh, which I did do. Um, you know, I went back to Telford. I was there a couple of years, had a couple of run-ins with managers. Managers got sacked or got reinstalled into the team, etc. But after that, I think m- m- my knee sort of started to, to, to give me a bit of jip. I got released, played non-league football for a while. I had a spell managing one team for six six months or so. And then I got to a point when you get to an age where I'm thinking, well, I'm sitting on the bench, you know, earning probably 20, 30 quid for sitting on the bench when I could probably spend more time with my family. And in the end, I think I probably packed up when I was, I don't know, 36, 37 maybe. But when I left Wickham, obviously the Royal Mail had kept my job open for me. So I just went back to to my job and I'm um, I'm still employed by Royal Mail now, although uh, uh, it it sort of classed as as one of the senior managers in the the West Midlands that, um, you know, it's been good for me as far as, you know, just being able to drop back into... um, into the employment that I knew, um, you know, and um, I appreciate the, you know, the Royal Mail for, for doing that. That's fantastic. And when Wickham got promoted to their championship, did it really kind of reflect on the time of, of promotion during your day and felt that you kind of played a part in sort of laying the foundations for that? Yeah, definitely so. And, and, and I also remember the time where they survived on the last day of the season of being relegated back into the, the non-league pyramid because I think, if I remember rightly, I was the person who scored the last non-league goal for Wickham, um, which I think was at Stafford Rangers before before we got promoted. So obviously, if Wickham had got um, relegated back into the conference, that that sort of record would have gone. So um, I was uh, glad to see they survived, and then obviously, really, you know, brilliant that they got promoted into the championship. And to be honest with you. I don't think the Football League did them any favours with the, with the Derby situation and, and, you know, they should still be there now. But, you know, hopefully uh, the position they're in in the league, they've still got a fighting chance of, uh, you know, getting back into the Championship next season. No, definitely. It's so nice for you to have that record as well, to, to sort of look back on and have, have as your own. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I think from, from what somebody told me, it did come up in one of the... Um, one of the quizzes from at Wickham a few years back. Oh, that's quite nice to be the answer of a quiz question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Really nice to catch up with uh, Tim Langford, and really nice for him to have that sort of accolade, as I say, just to be the, the last person to, to score for the club in, in non-league. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's a really good quiz question uh, as well. Um, really interested to hear as well him talk about the fact that he came from Telford United, um, who, as older listeners will remember, used to be one of those clubs, very much like ourselves, knocking on the door of the Football League, and you thought, oh, one of these days they'll become a Football League club. Um, and it just made me think how lucky we are, actually, to, to be in the situation that we are, because so many of those clubs that were alongside us back in the Isthmian days and then in the, the Vauxhall Conference days, um, who didn't actually make it to the Football League and Telford were one of them and have clearly been through so many hard times um, and actually ended up going going bankrupt and are now AFC Telford United and you think well goodness me you know we, we must appreciate still where we are uh, and how lucky we are to be in League One and to be a, a league club. And he must have been very highly thought of in Telford as well because he was saying that he did a radio interview for, for a station in Telford as well about eight months ago. Yes yeah definitely you know and, and very still still very highly thought of here as well. Absolutely. Uh, great to chat to him. Uh, coming up very soon, we'll be previewing uh, the Portsmouth game and hearing from manager Gareth Ainsworth as well. But first, uh, a bit of a look ahead to the uh, Wigan Wanderers women action this weekend.
Yeah, so uh, Wickham Wanderers women's first team didn't actually play on Sunday. Um, their game was postponed. Uh, they were due to be playing Ascot United. Um, this coming weekend, uh, apparently, um, is women's football weekend um, and uh, all three sides are actually playing of Wickham Wanderers women so the eight, under 18s have a top of the table clash when they go to Abingdon Town the reserves who won 8-0 at the weekend go to Evesley and California reserves in the Bucks and Bucks Cup um, and the first team uh, go the short distance up at the M40 to play Oxford City um, that is a 3pm kickoff on Sunday uh, so go along and get involved in women's football weekend yeah, we do wish uh, all the best. Any team with California in its name just sounds m- it, more glamorous, always, doesn't it? Oh, always sounds like slightly strange uh, uh, indeed. Um, but yes, uh, the reserves definitely doing rather well at the minute. Uh, an eight nil win—that's that, not bad at all. Uh, making up for the fact that the first team is still struggling, but the thing is that Oxford City is struggling as well. So uh, a slightly vital game at the bottom of the table uh, for the first team on Sunday. Yes, we wish them all the best for that uh, women's weekend as well, and uh, we'll be uh, keeping you up to date with how Wickham Wanderers women are getting on. Uh, speaking to. Uh, their uh, manager as well, uh, Dave Ward, in the coming weeks here at Wickham Sound. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Final part of the Wickham Wanderer show still to come. We'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth uh, looking ahead to the visit of Portsmouth, uh, also reflecting a little on, uh, well, the, <laughs> very little, on the, uh, the cup games uh, that we've experienced, and also uh, talking briefly uh, about his nomination for Manager of the Month for... Uh, October, uh, the winner of which will be announced tomorrow morning, uh, which is quite exciting. A little bit of a surprise, given that we haven't actually won in four games. No. Well, unbeaten in October, though. Yes, that's true. Yes, okay. I, I'm not thinking actually that it's a bit empty, do I mean? Yes, I think you're a bit, bit half empty rather than half full there. <laughs> yes, definitely. Or perhaps more than half. Uh, I'm very pleased to say we can chat to uh, Henry Deakin, who uh, regular listeners will have known uh, for the, our very first show of the season. Was a, it was a pre-season friendly uh, at home to Leicester City, and Henry uh, very kindly did the uh, uh, the commentary for us. Uh, and, uh, very good br- job he did too. Absolutely, yes. And uh, as as he said, not just a summer fling, we've got him back, got him back <laughs> for, uh, for, for the... Is this winter? Has winter started yet? I'm not sure. Are we still in autumn? I think it's autumn, isn't it? I'd be optimistic and say autumn because <laughs> winter sounds a bit dreary. Yeah, no, thank you so much for, for speaking to us. Uh, Henry does uh, stuff at Express FM in Portsmouth, following Portsmouth quite a bit as well. So we, we thought, by we, I, I mean Luke, I uh, thought it'd be brilliant to, to get him on. Uh, it's a fantastic idea. Luke's good idea I, of the year. I thought it was a good idea of that. Yeah, no, everyone, everyone thought it was a good idea. It's just we should give credit to, to, to Luke for having the idea. Well done, Luke. We all share his, his good. So, Henry, um, it's, it's interesting in a way, because obviously you saw, you saw Wickham before, before the season started, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think as well, fair to say, quite impressed with what you saw initially. I was quite impressed with what I saw, and I think I've seen about 10 clubs in League One now, and I think out of the 10, 12 clubs I've seen, it's probably Wickham and Plymouth that have probably been the two that, in my mind, have probably stood out so far. Um, I think there's a lot of decent teams, but it'll be interesting to see how the top two comes up at the end of the season because I think that at the moment there's two standout teams. I think there's teams that are on the periphery of turning good, and then there's some sides which are perhaps in false positions elsewhere and the fact they've had a good start and perhaps could drop off later on. It's a really intriguing season, this one in League One. It's strange, isn't it? It feels so tight uh, as well. And, yeah. and teams nearer the bottom end of the table can... I mean, for Portsmouth, for example, we've seen they, they beat Sunderland, who were right at the top at the time, I think 4-0, and then conceded four goals in the next two games. I mean, the 4-0 against Sunderland is perhaps one of the most bizarre fits I've ever been to. The game should never even have finished. I mean, the second half, the ball just wasn't moving. There was so much torrential downpour throughout the 90 minutes. The only time it stopped raining, ironically, was when the full-time whistle blew. You know, it was an absolute downpour of showers that the ball wasn't moving. And for some reason, we, um, we pulled out an unbelievable performance. They just... I don't know, probably the conditions. It, it, it does throw up those those odd, weird results every now and then. Of course, they were top of the league at the time we played them. But then after that, it's even four goals, consecutive gains. And you wonder where the season's going. Um, you know, huge, huge um, you know, meetings having to be had, obviously, with the manager and the players. And if, it feels like there is a potential pick-up, but there's just still something edging away at the back of the mind that's wondering, you know, why hasn't it got started? Because it's not as if we haven't got the calibre of players, Portsmouth, to, to be high up in the league, but something at the moment just isn't clicking. I guess it must be really hard to pinpoint as well what the reason behind mm-hmm. such inconsistency is. 
Exactly, because it, I mean, a lot of the players were players that were in around the playoffs, got in the playoffs the last couple of years. Admittedly, the squad probably isn't as strong as the one which won the, the EFL trophy a couple of years ago at Wembley against Sunderland, but it's still a squad which should be more than competitive in League One. There's a manager in Danny Cowley who, everywhere he's gone, has got a very good track record, has come out of clubs, you know, left them in a better state than he's uh, come into. And I just don't know. Something at the moment just isn't clicking. But then sometimes you see teams, don't you? And I think Reading were a great example when they got promoted about eight or nine years ago to the Premier League, where I think they were mid-table at Christmas and then just pulled together a miraculous run towards the end of the season and went on and, and got promoted. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen, but your sense of the, with the squad that you've got, I think there's going to have to be some ins and outs in January. But if they can get it together, the top half should be a minimum requirement. For a club like Portsmouth, pushing for the playoffs is probably what, what would make a very good year this year. But at the moment, it just looks unlikely the way things are going. Henry, do you think it was the right decision to get rid of Kenny Jackett? I think when you, I think it's interesting because a lot of people, when the the news came out about his departure, were were, were very shocked. I think the the fans at Pompey were probably for the last 12 months, probably since the playoff defeat against Sunderland, there was always a lot of heat on him. Um, I thought for the first six or seven months, very much unjustifiably. But as a manager, as you know, when results start to take a turn, as they did do towards the end of his reign in charge, and you know the fans aren't happy, ultimately there's only ever going to be uh, one person responsible for that, and that's going to be the manager. I mean, Kenny did a, did a brilliant job in the fact that he won us a trophy in, in, in the EFL trophy, playoffs, playoffs, which is a very good track record, uh, sometimes as well, not with the biggest budget in the league. Um, so he did a fairly good job, but I, it probably fell after after that so long and the way it was getting the animosity between the, the fans and the manager, perhaps the time was right for a change to be had. Uh, Danny Kelly came in with a lot of enthusiasm, fresh ideas. Uh, the fans really took to him, but he's hit a bit of a, the team have hit a bit of a rough spot, but I think he's the sort of manager, you know, if he can turn things around, he'd be a very popular manager and a very popular team. So where do you think Portsmouth's strengths will lie on Saturday? Well, it's going to be interesting because I'd say the two best players in Gavin Bazuna and Joe Morell will be missing because they're on um, international duty. Um, and, and I think it's interesting because we've we've had this problem recently of we've conceded a lot of goals, but we haven't been scoring a lot of goals. So, I've, so on that token, I'd say probably the midfield would be the area to look out for on Saturday. Um, up until recently, Lee Brown. Um, left back was our top goal scorer in the league um, so it'll be interesting to see come Saturday because sometimes you just don't quite know what you're going to get um, so sometimes predicting them it feels like a, a little bit of a mugs game to a certain extent but it'll be interesting to see with the two star players out missing because of internationals we've got John Marquis who is just having a barren time of it in front of goal um, it'll be very interesting to see how we how we get on against, as, of, as, as I mentioned at the start of the programme, for me, one of the two standout sides in this division. As someone who's never actually got a Wicked Wanderers connection correctly, you can say I completely agree with you about it being a mugs game. <laughs> no, definitely. And I've noticed that Portsmouth have drawn quite a bit recently as well, so perhaps, perhaps a draw might be something we might have to sell for. Yeah, we've had more draws than DFS at the moment. Um, but I think, to be honest, I think we take—I think we would take the point away from home. Um, I just think we need to build a bit of momentum. Um, the EFL Trophy result, as much as we thought we were going out because we needed a large swing of goals to go away to go through, I think that's given us the the sort of pick me up we didn't think we'd need, but actually may may actually galvanise. This is one of those competitions where, and obviously, you guys would have experienced it in midweek that. If you go out, you can you can kind of pull it to a side. It's not season-defining. You focus on the league, but if you actually do well in the competition, it can actually give you that extra little bit of confidence you didn't you didn't expect you're going to get. So, you know, we go in that that little bit of confidence. Struggled in the FA Cup a little bit last week against Harrow, but you know, sometimes being the underdog against uh, I'm going to call you one of the bigger teams in this league, um, perhaps may may fortune us because I, I don't think there's many expectations of an away win, perhaps an away point, but in some ways that could work out for the better. No, I really appreciate it. I've been great to chat to you. Thank you so much for, for joining us on, on the Wickham Wonder Show this week and, and enjoy the game, of course. 
Will do. I'll be there Saturday in a press capacity. So I look forward to it. Hopefully speak to you again soon. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you very much, Thank you for calling us one of the biggest diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Henry speaking to us here at Wickham Sound uh, ahead of the game against Portsmouth on Saturday uh, we've been speaking to manager Gareth Ainsworth as well uh, as mentioned uh, starting off with uh, a bit of a congratulations on uh, being nominated for the League One Manager of the Month for October we've been nominated not not me and that's what I always say you know we we have um, and uh, and you know if we keep doing that every month we, that's two nominations we've had this, this season out of two months and uh, we can keep doing that that's fantastic so uh, we are we are well up for um, cracking on and, and keep pushing forward. You know, the award is, is fantastic to be nominated. I'm sure there's, there's better and bigger managers that will, will deserve it, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens. It's a real accolade just to be nominated and uh, I'm surprised one of two of my players, especially Ryan Tafazoli, wasn't up for, for you know player of the month because he's, he's had a fantastic month and, uh, and the, boys have, uh, the, the boys have really been delivering. So really, really pleased going, but um, cracking on to Portsmouth, not going to let that distract me. Of course. I was just going to ask, though, what's sort of pleased you most about what the team has achieved over that period? Because it's fantastic to have been unbeaten. And I know we've spoken about, you know, the way they've adapted playing different formations and, and how well organised the team has been as well. Yeah, and, and that's it. Adaptability is really key here. And uh, and the boys have taken on everything I've asked them to do and done it well. And uh, and that's why we've got the uh, the month we've had. So, But we uh, we don't want to like, rest on our laurels. We want October to be even better. And uh, Sorry, November, and uh, and that's what we've got to do now. So, um, yeah, looking forward to to cracking into November. But uh, again, nice to look back and think we had a, a good unbeaten month. And does it feel like preparations for the Portsmouth game is just a continuation after Ipswich, really, because of these these two cup games, and obviously you've put out very different sides as well. Yeah, it's, it's tough, you know, um, to uh, it's tough to know what's coming. It's tough to uh, to prepare in the right way with all the games coming up as well. Training's minimal, so the messages are really important again to the boys. But um, no, I'm really, really looking forward to what we can do against uh, what is one of the pre-season favourites for the league. You know, so we uh, they've started slow, but believe me, they'll be up in thereabouts uh, without a shadow of a doubt. So we need to make sure we uh, we're on this, and, uh, and so prep starts really today in a big way. And then we've got you know Hartlepool, Bolton, Plymouth, Sheffield Wednesday, Wimbledon, Bolton again. So it's, it's chaos, you know. It really is with an FA Cup chucked in there if we beat Hartlepool. So there's a there's a lot going on, but at the moment. My only focus is, is Pompey and uh, and making sure that we've got a, a good starting eleven that, that will give us a chance in winning that game. Are they a team which is it's quite hard to know what to expect from because they won four uh, 0 against Sunderland, didn't they? And then conceded four goals in the next two games. Yeah, but I, I'd say that we're probably pretty pretty similar. You know, we uh, we beat teams, then we drew three three at Fleetwood, then we get beat off Ipswich. So I think either team will be looking at each other, thinking, right, what changes will there be, and, and if is there changes, you know, so. I think it's uh, the boys on the day are going to be uh, be key and and how they perform because um, there's only so much you can do and and it's about your signings, your recruitment in the summer, your match winning players. Um, Danny's a good manager and, and I'm sure he'll uh, he'll be picking up plenty of points. But I, I want to pick the points on Saturday at home against, like I say, one of the pre-season favourites for the title. It's, uh, it's it's a real a real derby game. It's become over the years because of being in the similar leagues uh, and I'm sure that we. Uh, We'll have a great atmosphere again. I think it just goes to show, doesn't it, how tight the division is? Because I think as fans, you're quite quite tempted to just look at the table and think teams from higher up are bound to be able to beat teams from lower down, but but not really the case at all. No, not at all. You know, look at Burton. I think have picked up some great points. Um, Fleetwood, Doncaster seems to be coming now. Um, the only team that seems to be struggling a little bit is Crew at the moment, and uh, and I'm sure that David Artel will get it together. You know, he's got a good player. He's got a cash kit there. We'll get him firing, and uh, and you, you you never know what can happen. So, I mean, I'm. I'm very uh, aware of of how tight this league is. You know, the Doncaster game was a tough game, and they were bottom of the league. The Rotherham game was a super tough game, and they're they're up the top of the league or they're thereabouts. So it's um it's it's a real tight league. You know, there's not much in it. You know, minimal minimal percentages in in each team. There's no big big winners and losers, and it's just a fantastically competitive division with some household names in from. Premier League's gone by, you know. It's just it's like about seven teams have been in the Premier League in this division. That was fantastic for English football. And I show you get asked a lot, but have these two cup games come at quite a good time because you've been able to rest certain players, or has it been a bit of a uh, distraction in terms of a lack of momentum? Uh, yeah, there was no resting really. It was, uh, it was. Uh, they were all done for reasons. I, w- I, w- I don't ever dismiss the FA Cup as a. As a as a resting chance you know I really don't um, we, we put the best team we could have put out last week maybe Brandon Hanlon on the bench you know 
was one Josh Gowen had an ankle knock Tafizoli and Grimmy were both out with injuries so you know McCleary was out with his injury so there, there, there was uh, it wasn't there was no rotation really it was our best team so I'll always put the best team out in the games Tuesday obviously was uh, was a a chance for the development boys to show what they can do in a, in a first team fixture, which uh, which that game didn't have any bearing on the on the result. Well, the result, of course, you know, I want to win, and the result tells me that we weren't good enough on that night. But there was no uh, there was no cup run from that game. So yeah, it's, it's again strongest team will be out on Saturday without a doubt to uh, what I think should be the team to to beat Portsmouth. So. Uh, yeah, it's great to have a, a real big squad to, to choose from. You know, we've got a couple of internationals away, obviously, but um, we're desperate to get this game on because I think we can uh, we can continue our, our superb home form, which is six wins and, and one defeat. I was going to say, with the cup replay, now it really feels like you've got a run of home games coming up and a great opportunity for, for people to come out and support the team. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, on, on first-team fixtures, the next three are at home, and uh, and we've got to make sure that we are, we are properly on this because... Um, you know, we we like playing at home. We know how we play at home. We we relish Adams Park, and the fans have just been fantastic from uh, from day one. And uh, and we need to make sure that um, we we get back to fortress status at Adams Park. And uh, it's been some real entertaining games. But I'll take a one 0 any day. I will tell you that. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting Saturday. I'm sure the Cali Billers will come with uh, with a strong team and 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 the plan to beat us. But um, likewise, we'll counter that and we'll uh, we'll try and get the uh, the boys flying. And you must be so pleased as well with how the team has started recent games, you know, going ahead early as well. I guess that'll be something that you'll be looking to continue on Saturday. Always, yeah. We always start well. The boys have got energy, you know, they're really up for it every game. And uh, and we do score early even against Ipswich. I thought for 25 minutes we were, we were very good. Um, Sunderland away again. It's still say one of our good performances in that first half. But uh, we've got to make sure we capitalise and stay in front if we do get in front. And, and also, like the Morgan game, if we do go behind we have the character to come and, and, and turn it round again and Hartlepool as well, great character by the way. So we know we can play in, in any condition, in any situation. We know what we've got. It's just about um, the consistency over the season. One game doesn't make a season, but six, seven, eight games and, and on the spin, they, they do start having a bearing on your season. So I want to get back to winning ways as soon as I can. And just finally, I know you don't like to look too far ahead, but a, a week today, uh, you'll, you'll be playing live in the town. That must be something you're really looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind looking ahead on uh, on uh, on music. So yeah, got an upcoming gig. Um, and privileged to be involved in turning the Christmas lights on and uh, playing a few uh, Christmas songs, which isn't really my bag, but um, we'll work them up somehow. And uh, and hopefully there'll be plenty of people down the town to uh, to really embrace the town itself. It's a fantastic place, and also what the football club has, has done and. Uh, and risen the, the profile of everything. So, no, really looking forward to seeing a few of the Wiccan people on next Thursday. Win, lose or draw next two games, I'm sure they'll turn out, but um, I'm hoping it's a couple of wins. I really do like the idea of rocked-up Christmas songs. Definitely, and I could really see Gareth Ainsworth doing a fantastic noddy holder. Absolutely, with, with a Christmas jumper. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm sure Gareth will be fantastic at doing that. It's Christmas bit. And as he said, I think it's a real great opportunity for people to come out and really celebrate, you know, what, what he's achieved with the club. And, and obviously, because fans weren't at the, the championship games as well. Well, most of That's them. so true. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Go along. Enjoy, you know, enjoy the, the Christmas lights and the festive feel and the light switch on, but also turn it into a slightly retro we've been promoted to the championship party. Exactly. Because uh, as, as we've said before, you can't think of many other managers who, well, any, who have been at a club nine years and can perform on a stage in the way that he can. No, definitely he is unique in that. And even if you do try and think of them, it does tickle you quite a bit. It does, certainly, yes. I was thinking of Neil Warnock, for example. Uh, yes, indeed, yes. Um, now, now departed from Middlesbrough. Um, but he's not too sad, because he has bagged himself a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice, nice full circle for the show there. <laughs>